Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. And those who are going to Little Worship, y'all can be dismissed at this time. And as, as we're transitioning, they're heading out. Uh, feel free to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, 20 through 37. So this, this week we had, to, we had to call a little audible and jump ahead in Luke's gospel. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, uh, looking at verses 1 through 10. So we're jumping ahead, and then Richard... Maybe next week he'll go back and get us caught back in the right spot. So we're looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And uh, being in the buckle of the Bible Belt, this passage is probably very familiar to most of us in here. You know, if you were even remotely near a vacation Bible school as a kid, you probably heard, heard the song about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. You know, I, I didn't know a thing about the Bible. Uh, I, I, my grandmother and my mother, um, I would say they did the best they could at, at, at that point in life, and they had me in and around the church, but um, I didn't care to know anything about the Scriptures, wasn't a Christian, had no desire to walk, to know God, to walk in His ways, but I knew about Zacchaeus. He was a wee man who climbed up a sycamore tree. And, and I think back to those days in VBS, and... Uh, I think of the, the sweet uh, ladies, the sweet men and women, you know, that taught me that song and that desired to point me to Jesus. But I believe that that song does not do justice to what's really going on in this passage. You know, this passage of Scripture contains one of the greatest sentences found anywhere, not just the Scriptures, but in all writings, a, a verse that unlocks the meaning behind Jesus Christ coming into the world, a hermeneutical key that we can use to read the rest of the scriptures through this lens. And so let's read the passage and find out what that is. So Luke 19, 1 through 10. This is God's word. He, being is Jesus, uh, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, 
Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for waking us up. Thank you for the sacrament of baptism where we are reminded that we, like that helpless baby, that we received your spirit poured out on us like that water and that our sins are washed away in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for your word this morning. Help us to believe it. Conform us into the image of Christ. Amen. So, this passage is straightforward. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And we're going to see that in three points this morning. We're going to see a sinful man. We're going to see a gracious Savior. And we're going to see his thankful response. So first, a sinful man. Jesus, he's, he's on his way. You've got to think, where we are in Luke's gospel, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross, the dreaded cross. He knows what's coming. But before he gets there, he passes through Jericho intentionally. And if you remember Jericho, if you remember some of those VBS stories and you know anything about the Old Testament, you remember Jericho was the the first town that when the Israelites were led into the promised land by Joshua, this was the first town that they entered in and, 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 and conquered. This is the place where God miraculously caused the walls to tumble and led his people in victory. And in the days of Jesus, this place was known for its affluence It's fertile ground. It was known as the land of the palms. And so Jesus here, he's passing through. And in verse 2, we find out out about this, this, this character, this sinful man named Zacchaeus. How is he described? Well, he he's the chief or a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And then we read the most famous part of the story after that in in, in verse 3 and 4. We read that Zacchaeus, he was seeking to see Jesus. He heard that Jesus was coming through. He's seeking to see him. And so he runs and he sprints into this crowd and climbs up a tree. Because he knew Jesus was going to pass that way. You know, what a scene. I mean, really try to imagine it, right? I think of the Christmas parade here in Greenwood. My kids always want to get on my shoulders because they want to see. And they forget I'm short and I can't see over Gary. <laughs> so I need to be on somebody's shoulders. But no, you think of this. You, you, we, 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 we do this when we want to see a, a parade or a concert or whatever. We just want to see what's going on. We, we try to get the higher ground, right? We want to see it. You know, we step on a sidewalk or find a hill, but can you imagine a grown man running and climbing up a tree out there at the Christmas parade? Climbing up a tree to see what's going on. 
You know, we've got, we, we got to get the image. I just told you to have an image in your head of, of this situation, but we have to get the image out of our head that, that was formulated when we sang that song in Sunday school. I think my grandmother's church even had an illustration of it up there. We've we got to get the sanitized, cheesy picture out of our head. This is not some little Keebler elf up in a tree looking down. Do you know who he was? He, he was very likely the most hated man in Jericho. A cheat. A crook. Perhaps violent. The most hated man. He was a chief tax collector. And Richard, as we've been going through Luke, we've talked about tax collectors. You know, um, he, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. You know, I think of that, that mean old sheriff, if you've seen the old Disney cartoon Robin Hood. I mean, this scarred me watching this sheriff go around this town. I say scarred me. I'm, I'm being a little dramatic there, but I, it does still stick with me. This guy going into the home, and there's that crippled old hound dog and he's coming for his taxes, and he picks him, up, picks him up by his leg, and he bangs on that cast to get his money. Or when he goes into the widow's house, and the little bunny rabbit had just gotten a coin for its birthday, and he takes that as a tax. You hate that, Sheriff. You hate that man if you watch that show uh, and, and have seen that take place. That's the way, and I would say even more so, that, that the Jews felt about Zacchaeus, hated him. You know, uh, we know what everyone thinks, is of ta- thinks of taxes right now. We look at the buzz around the viral uh, Oliver Anthony song. You know, Zacchaeus would be like one of those rich men from Richmond. But worse, he's a Jewish man who had sold out to the occupying oppressor, Rome. He would tax you coming and going, threaten you with violence, even death if you didn't pay up. Every time he would charge you more, you know, he'd add on to his house or build a new pool. You know exactly where his money, your money was going. And so we know, we don't have to belabor this point anymore, tax collectors were hated in this, uh, in this setting. But this is who Zacchaeus is. Um, We also learn in the passage that he's a man of small stature. He couldn't see because of the crowd. The crowd's so great. The crowd that is filled with people that hate him. And so the question that we need to ask is, what possessed this man to cast off all restraint, knowing he was going to run into a crowd of people that hated him, just to get a glimpse of this Jesus? What was going on in his heart? Imagine what had been going on in his mind throughout the days leading up to this, thinking of all that he had done, all the betrayal. You know, what was going on in his heart as he lay upon his bed at night, thinking about what he was doing? And I want to ask, can you relate? You know, what keeps you up at night? What, what sin sins keep you up things that you've done things that you've thought 
constantly weighing on, on the conscience. You know, something's going on here in Zacchaeus' heart. He sprinted to climb up that tree and see this man that was performing miracles. And most importantly, he wanted to see the man who was pronouncing forgiveness of sins. Jesus intentionally passed through this town on a gracious pursuit of this sinful man. And so now we're going to look at the gracious Savior. You know, we've already talked about the song a little bit. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll go through some of the lyrics. You may know it. Um, when we were at RYM, the middle school RYM, one night the, the, um, the leader, Chandler, one of my friends, he was leading and he actually was going through this passage and, and people could not stop themselves from singing it as he was saying it. It was like, it was just in the brain, you know. But think about it. It says, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. From going to your house today. And Chandler, after he recited those words there at RYM, uh, he, he brought something to our attention, something in that I had not given much thought to, that this song gets it wrong. Because it's downplaying the reality present in the exchange with Jesus. You think of this man, the one who is up in the tree, the hated man, the thief, the crook, the sinner. And Jesus looks up at the most hated man in Jericho and he calls him by name. He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. He doesn't say, hey, tax collector. Hey, hey sinner. Hey, jerk. He says, hey, Zacchaeus. And then what does he say after that? He says, hurry. Hurry. Come down from that tree. I must come stay at your house today. I must. With the weight of the coming cross and what was to take place in Jerusalem, Jesus takes time to call this sinner to himself and to hang out with the worst man in Jericho. Why? Because he comes to save, to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came to this earth. Though Jericho's walls had long since crumbled, there were walls around the heart of a man that Jesus was in the business of demolishing. So he calls to Zacchaeus, tells him to hurry and come down, for he must stay with him. And let's look at two responses here. We're going to look at the response of Zacchaeus and the response of the crowd here. What does Zacchaeus do when he calls him? In verse 6, it says that Zacchaeus hurried down. I think this is an encouragement. I wish my kids, my children would take heed to his example. And when I say, you know, do something, they hurry up and do it. Now, this is way uh, more heavy and greater here because Jesus is the one talking. And when he calls Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus hurries down. And I think one 
point of application for us, something to think about, is we don't trifle with Jesus. We, we, we don't put it off when he calls us to himself and when he calls us to do uh, something through his word. Zacchaeus knew what time it was. Jesus called him and he came down. He hurried down and it says that he received Jesus joyfully. And this is what happens when you know the weight of your sin. The Lord opens your eyes up to the weight of your sin and your cosmic treason. And he opens your eyes up to the grace that is found in the gospel. Through the preaching of the gospel. And you are commanded to believe this message. Repent and believe the gospel. This is what happens in the heart of a sinner. You don't put it off for another day. You know, I, I'm sure in a crowd this, this large, there are some who have foolishly been putting off this call of Christ. You know, I, um, I think of children and youth specifically because that's typically who I'm working with, but even adults. We put it off and we think, well, I'm going to get to that, you know, on down the road. You are not promised tomorrow. The Lord says today is the day of salvation, so don't harden your hearts when he calls you. Zacchaeus responded, uh, responded swiftly and joyfully, and may we follow his lead. Then we see another response, or the response of a crowd in verse 7. They see this exchange between Zacchaeus, the one whom they hated, and this Jesus who was calling him to himself. They see it, and what do they do? The leaven of the Pharisees had spread to the people. They grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of this man who is a sinner. You know, they, they, they had forgotten or just not cared, not paid attention to the words that Gary uh, read earlier from Matthew or earlier in the Gospels where Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've, come to, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, this response of the crowd, it reminds us of the response of the elder brother in Luke 15 in the parable of the prodigal son. And, and as we hear this again, um, it, it just it came to my mind as I was thinking through this, how many times does this theme come across in Scripture? How many times are we reminded of the gospel? Some, some people may think that us preachers were one-trick ponies. We keep you know, preaching the gospel. There's a reason that it's stated over and over throughout the scriptures. And we constantly see this example of the Pharisees because think of the human condition. Our default is to try to earn our salvation, to, to view ourselves as righteous in and of ourselves. And see no real need for Jesus outside of just, you know, a, a cultural nicety. Think of the human condition. Why are we constantly reminded of this? The foremost problem in our world today is not uh, uh, something outside of us. I would say that it's people don't see themselves as sinners. They don't see themselves as sin-sick and deserving of God's wrath. The problems outside of us were victims of circumstance. 
And if we see the problems as mainly being around us and surrounding us outside of us, we're never going to go to the proper physician, which is Jesus, or who is Jesus. We'll just place band-aids over the issues and never heal the sickness. Zacchaeus was well aware of the problem and the fact that the problem was him. It was in him. And it ate away at his conscience. You know, that's what guilt does to you when you're holding on. When you're holding on to sin and remaining unrepentant. But Zacchaeus had come to get relief. And he found it in Jesus. Or I guess it would be better to say that Jesus had come to find him to give him relief, and he received it. And so this amazing grace, it changed Zacchaeus. And so lastly, we're going to see his response of gratitude. In verses 8 through 10, we see that the once hardened chief tax collector, he's standing up. Jesus has called him down. He comes down. They go into the house. He's standing up, and he calls Jesus Lord. And he tells him, I vow to give, uh, to give away half my goods to the poor. And anyone that I've wronged and defrauded, I'll give fourfold what I took from them. And then Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And, I, and uh, James Edward, Edwards in his commentary, he, he wisely reminds us here, because it's easy to read this passage and we see what takes place and we think, oh, well, he was saved because he says he's going to give away his goods. Now salvation's come. But uh, uh, Dr. Edwards, he says, um, this vow that Zacchaeus has made, it is not a precondition for Jesus' acceptance, but a result of it. Jesus doesn't require Zacchaeus to change before he takes up residence with him, but he, Jesus pursues him, and he takes up residence with him, and his, uh, and with him and his presence Jesus' presence with Zacchaeus evokes a transformation, and we know that's the working of the Holy Spirit in Zacchaeus. You know, a few chapters uh, before this, uh, 15 through 18, uh, we read of uh, a rich man and Lazarus. And we know that the, the uh, rich man did not take care of Lazarus, the poor man who was outside of his gate. He looked down upon him did not help him in any way. And then we saw the rich man's the demise and his utter damnation when he died. And then in chapter 18, uh, spoiler alert, we'll come to it in a few weeks, but in chapter 18, there's a story of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he says, how may I inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him to the law and he says, I've done it, I've kept it all. And then he says, well, go sell your goods and follow me. And what does the rich man do? He goes away sad because he had many possessions. The rich ruler had made a God of money and wasn't willing to make a God of Jesus in his heart. And Jesus says those famous chilling words, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. You know, and the disciples rightly and probably fearfully asked Jesus then, who can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. 
You know, and that's what we see happening here in Luke 19 with the salvation of this rich man. It was impossible, humanly speaking, for this man to be saved, but with God, it's possible. You know, we tend to get the idea from Luke that Jesus is, is a friend of the poor and the oppressed, and he is. We, we see him um, helping and healing those that were marginalized, and he's just opposed to the rich. But the story of Zacchaeus gives a, us a more full picture. He was as rich as they come. You know, at one point, uh, the, the problem was money was his God. And so the question is, how do we know if something's become a God to us? Something good. Um, money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. How do we know if it's become a God? What happened in Zacchaeus' life? He was holding on to it too tightly at one point. I'm sure it controlled his thoughts, his time, scheming. How was he going to get more of it? If something's become an idol, you will do whatever it takes to get it. You will violate God's law, your conscience to get it. And that was Zacchaeus before. But now he loosens his grip and he realizes that it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, and, and what he did here, giving up or saying, and, and, and the way that it's stated in the original, like, it, this, this happened, this was going to happen. It wasn't just lip service. Zacchaeus was going to give away half his goods, and he was going to also pay back what he had taken fourfold. Well, what the Old Testament required was if you took from someone, you were to pay back. There was to be restitution made with a fifth added to it. And so he's going above and beyond what the law even required here to give back to those that he had defrauded. He puts into practice what would be later found in Ephesians, as Paul wrote, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that we may have something to share with anyone in need. Zacchaeus was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but it was a faith that was not alone. We see his faith. He's living out this faith. He who is forgiven much loves much. You know, and what we see in this story, the order of guilt, grace, gratitude, this is what we see throughout Paul's letters. This is the way that the Heidelberg Catechism is set up. You know, we, we, we tend to, we can harp on the guilt and the grace, but we can leave that last one off, the gratitude, the thankful living out of what, uh, an overflow of what Christ has done. If someone indeed has received the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, they, will, they have received spiritual life. There will be fruit, the fruit of the spirit, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, to varying degrees to be sure, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about change. And in this story, we have so much to be hopeful for and hopeful about. Uh, there isn't a person that is so bad that's beyond the reach of the grace of Jesus Christ. You have this traitor to the nation Israel who becomes a son of Abraham by faith, a prodigal son seeking to return home to the gracious father. But I think it goes a step further than even the story of the prodigal son. Because unlike the older brother in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus 
is the gracious older brother who leaves the house and he goes and finds him. And he brings him back on his shoulders. But it even goes further than that. Not long after Zacchaeus came down from that sycamore tree, Jesus would find himself going up a tree in the shape of a cross at the hands of the Romans that Zacchaeus had collected taxes for. And on that cross, Jesus died in Zacchaeus' place for all the lying and the stealing and the cheating, the violence. On that cross, Jesus died for your and my sin, all the lying and the, and the stealing and the slandering and the gossiping, the lust, the murder, and the hatred. He went into the grave, the grave that we all deserve, and he rose again on the third day, proving that the payment had been accepted. All debts discharged. As far as the east is from the west, so far have your sins been removed from you. If you're in here today and you're a believer, it's not because you wised up and decided, I'm going to follow Jesus today. It's because Jesus tracked you down and he called you by name. There is nothing to boast in but in the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot boast. He came after you. And if you're in here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, I can say on the authority of God's word that he's making an appeal through me. That today you come to him and put your faith in him. He will receive you. He calls you to come to him, for he has come to seek and to save the lost. And that is good news. Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder. Um, we so often forget that, that you have come to seek and to save the lost, which is the condition of all humanity. Uh, may we remember that as we go out. And, and Lord, we ask you to change us. Um, cause us to walk in your ways. Help us to put to death the old man and put on the new. In Christ's name, amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.